good greetings and tidings of good cheer, all that jazz. Merry Christmas from Fresh My Fresh Podcast. I am Curtis Metcalf, your host. Um, let's get into this thing. Uh, lately, I say about this whole month of December, what a way to uh, end the year. Out of all the things that have happened, a lot of crazy stuff. We're in that time of the year where emotions are high and everything. And I just want to send my love to everybody that has lost a loved one, having feelings of depression and everything. Uh, All of us that are in our huts and our cubby holes and our shacks and our mansions or whatnot, we really have to do our due diligence of surveying all that we running, all that we own, because it could be worse and there's always someone less fortunate. With that being said, amongst all the internet talk that really annoys me, especially with people who talk about music on a daily basis, it don't even matter the particular social media platform. In particular, it's Twitter, but I've seen it on Facebook. I see it on other on other sites. I see a lot of people championing the South. I seen one tweet years ago that said, you know, uh, something like the South saved. Yeah, New York created hip-hop. And the quote tweet was like, and the South saved it. You're welcome. I come in contention with that, but not as much as the uh, the people who just don't like Southern rap at all. Like, don't care. You're supposed to be a hip-hop head, but you don't care for the South. Which is kind of counterproductive to you because... There's some things in the South that contributed to help out on a level that you can feel. And I ain't even talking about the contemporary stuff. I ain't even talking about your T.I., you know, your normal T.I. When you talk about the South, you ain't talking about nowhere. But, you know, you're not talking about Florida. You wasn't considering Atlanta even part of America, let alone the South. When do you even try to recognize the southern region? And this has been passed over. Uh, my contention is with everybody who claims they don't like outcasts. Usually, I would say there are, if, if there's a artist out there that you don't care for, like, on the low, you listening to them, because why would you complain about them? Why would you complain about groups groups or rappers that you don't listen to. If it comes across the timeline, you know, everybody's a critic. You had to criticize it. Um, a lot of it is unwarranted. And I see it. It's like people hate this rapper for this reason or don't like this rapper. You know, it is a boom bap beats. 
it sounds like, you know, the normal down south flavor or whatnot. But then it sounds like folks was picking on folks just because, like, Glorilla has been making noise this year. And the youngster got got her whole thing going on and stuff, you know. Hip-hop changes with the task. Now, let me say there are some things that, that are not hip-hop, and you can tell by how it's sounded, how it's branded. Uh, there's Glorilla. There's, uh, is that, what's the girl's name, Ice Spice? Yeah, um... I was just reading up on her, who her manager was, and it's like, that's some real masterminded stuff like that. Like, is it, I don't even think Ice Spice is from the South. I mean, if if she is, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost the same case as with, like, ASAP Rocky or something. ASAP Rocky. Um, with them, with those type of cats being from New York, but they, they sound ain't New York rap. New York underground hip hop. It's from somewhere else, and in particular, it's the South. Everybody try to get the sample free beats or something that sounds like Shorty Red or something like that, you know? Somebody found a way in on that. And your manager said, You so you gotta you gotta rap over beats like this and you get on the radio and that's that's what raked in the money. That's what opened up these online avenues, that's what in turn uh, open up and gave power to these blogs and sites that don't represent hip hop the south ain't to blame for all of that it's a dollar to be made and a criminal gonna find the way to make that dollar I've said this before that my podcast focuses on the southern rap period from 1991 when the ghetto boys broke through to the mainstream with uh with my mind's playing tricks on me from that nineteen ninety one album We Can't Be Stopped to nineteen ninety four when Outcast Southern Playlisted dropped. One week after Nas dropped Illmatic, which will which is one of the one of the two albums that the source declared a hip hop classic before it was even released. I give I'm not gonna give you the clue for what the other one is. It was only two. Nas's El Matter was one and that was another one. Do your research on that. Outcast's debut was the one album. Not my opinion. This is one album that put not just Atlanta but it put a spotlight on Atlanta, but it opened up so many avenues, mainly uh, the spotlight on the South. It's definitely, in, it's definitely not where Atlanta rap started from, but it's a definite good marker on what style started. At LaFace Records, LaFace didn't have a rap group. And they wanted in that market, Babyface and L.A. Reed. 
you had genius-minded music being made at LaFace. You had TLC, you had producer Dallas Austin. Dallas Austin was the the genius behind several productions on uh, Boys to Men's debut, linking up with uh, Michael Bivens and that whole realm of things right there. You had the uh, R&B singer Joy. You hear her name being shouted all over Southern Playlist of Music, and she's pretty much the first lady of the Dungeon family. You know, she had a deal before anybody. She was working on her thing since the uh, since the mid-'80s, I want to say. Was up in Atlanta. Uh, you should know the story about her and Cameron Gip of uh, Goody Mob. And for what, for what, for when I talk to people in Atlanta, Southern Player Listed was on that same level of Elmatic as far as detailing things that happened in the city. Just to, just that how that album as a whole time capsule. Southern Player Listed Cadillac music dropped two years before the Summer Olympics of 1996. You know what happened. You know what happened then. You know, and that was that was uh that was that interlude after uh ain't no thing where they talk about the uh the Capitol, the Capitol buildings in Atlanta that was still flying the Confederate flag. Um, the Georgia Dome. I don't think the Georgia Dome was made, but you know Centennial Park and all that, and uh. While that was built, they was talking about that and certain things that took place. You could feel while listening to the music, you could pretty much it was they was painting a picture. Big Boy and Dre was painting a picture of what it was like in Atlanta at a certain time. You know what I'm saying? And no other album has done that. T.I. has been on record and saying, like, so the playlist is the greatest album to ever come out of Atlanta. And I'd be hard-pressed to argue with him. A lot of people say, a lot of people say A.T. Aliens, a lot of people say Aquemini, uh, but that was, those albums was after they got better. And I ain't gonna, I don't even want to say got better because... So the playlist is what it is. It's very profound, very professionally produced. Even cats, hardcore cats, who's like West Coast cats, they love this album. They love this album and Goody Mob Soul Food. You know, people was thinking for a whole for for several years that a lot of the stuff Outcast sounded. You know, the whole country sound or whatever that, which is what people in Atlanta, honestly sound like some sound like they come from the slum because they folks is from mississippi some was from upper georgia you know what i'm saying but atlanta got it honest because atlanta is a big melting pot it's one of the bigger cities in the south and folks from up north come down and make homes and make homes there as well it wasn't just that they're all over they're all over tennessee that realm uh, they in some parts of Alabama, 
New Orleans, and then you all mixing, mixing it all together, and everything. Subtle Player Liquors is one of those albums that's like, okay, I bought AT Aliens when it came out. AT Aliens made me go back and get Southern Playlistic, and Southern Playlistic has been my favorite Outkast album. People don't want to accept how hard you went on your first album because they end up liking the second album for whatever reason. Not saying you can't have your favorite album, but as far as like Outkast as an individual, as not an individual, but as a group. Their enduring classic album, yes, the other ones got the older ones showed their growth. Our artists, you supposed to embrace the artist's growth, but not too many artists get embraced after their first album. You either repeating the same formula that you did on your first album, or you be too different on your second album, and folks don't feel your whole thing when you just when you just gave them another version, a upgrade that you gave them the upgrade. On the second album, it's like it's like it's like Maxwell's album. You had Urban Hangs Week, and you have people who stay stuck on Urban Hangs Week. They don't embrace em- Embryo. <laughs> they don't embrace Embryo. Common on like Water for Chocolate. He did Electric Circus after that. Everybody didn't feel didn't feel Electric Circus. It's somebody else's album. I'm thinking of it too, but I ain't gonna I ain't gonna go there. Um A lot of things on Outcast album were profound. Get up, get out, deep, hooty hoo, um, call of the wild, uh, crumbling herb. Them boys were supported. And then come to find out, like both of them, Big Boy and Dre was inspired by hieroglyphics with the flow. On there, and then how creative they came with players ball, players ball. We finding out years later where well, I've been known the whole time. I've been known over since about ninety eight, ninety nine that it was really a Christmas song, and I just thought I throw that in there because everybody wants to say it now, like they just found it out. Um, the whole album is hidden. There's not no skip songs. I don't understand why people who touch music on a regular basis and touch so much different music on a regular basis would say that they skip songs on that on the outcast album i skip more songs on dave east album than i do on an outcast album i skip more action bronson songs than i do outcast just for contrast we know new york is the capital of this whole thing, we, the whole thing they started. But also respect the fact that what exploded from out of, from out of y'all area, y'all couldn't control. Some shit hit Pittsburgh. Some shit hit Philly. Some shit hit Boston. Cincinnati, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit. And it multiplies with every township. It definitely hit... It definitely hit Mobile. We have trail. We have we have connections everywhere. It's just the music. Check out what happened before a certain era. You'll never hear nobody talk about Atlanta in the 80s unless you meet somebody that was there and remembers the records. 
the whole thing is dumb because you had tremendous artists come out of the South. Another real connection for y'all. DJ Premier of Gangstar, the legendary group Gangstar. He's from Houston, Texas. He came up to New York to try to get it back in the day and met Guru, who was coming from Boston. Both of them, both of them linked up professionally, like the Steves. And Premier joined Gangstar because Guru was representing Gangstar, Gangstar Posse from from Boston. And he left Boston to go to New York to get a deal. And one of the deals was with, uh, he was, I want to say Guru was kind of like working as an intern at Wild Pitch or something with his uh, degree, with his degree in um from uh, Morehouse in Atlanta. That's another one. And going through demos, that's how he met Premier, um, because Gangstar was already a group. He joins in, Premier joins in, the rest is history. Premier becomes one of the top producers in in New York City and restructured the way hip hop sounds in New York City. Along with other producers. But just the fact that he comes that he comes from the South and has made classic albums and classic songs for people. That's monumental stuff. That's monumental stuff right there. And that inspires people like me. That inspires people like Outkast. L.A. Reid wanted a down south version of a tribe called Quest. I don't say I don't think they hit the numbers like that because tribe is a whole different beast. But Cass. Cass is like the first of their kind. When Atlanta was a hub for Miami bass music, or as they call it, booty shape, everything changed when things changed for everybody when Outkast drops to the playlist. It's a monumental album. Please talk to somebody from Atlanta that knows, that live in that era when you had to have that. It was magic. True magic. Um, And people really got to stop that hate for Southern music. Everything, you know, we don't vibe to everything. We don't vibe with everything. But everything has a right to live, you know. Some of y'all was rocking to to, uh, the boy... Uh, Star 69, whatever his name was. Yeah, Daniel Hernandez. You would you would put up whack artists. Artists that's supposed to get talked down. This thing hasn't gotten so wide open to where you just accept anything, and people are accepting and playing everything. You listen to the bubblegum music, and then looking at the ones who are like legit, creators of lanes and avenues and stuff you don't even talk about albums that are 
are are truly classic. Somebody playing your album, your first album, 20 years later. And your songs are still touching things that are going on, you know, even throughout the out, outdated references and everything. You leave clues for people who return to your music and it sounds better than the first day they heard it. Y'all have to stop disregarding people's first and and second albums and middle albums that brought them brought their career back into the into the consciousness, you know. Outcast is one of those stalwarts. I'm not gonna go naming ringing off a hundred albums of 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 the South. Okay. That's that's what I was thinking. Um I'm not going to ring off names of hundreds of Southern rapper albums that you need to go get there out there. If you're brave enough to go down that trail, you should do that. Um, the the uh, artist I was thinking of was Tila. Tila dropped Peace of Mind on, uh, on Swath House in 1996. Amongst a down south crowd, it quickly became a classic album. And to the detriment of Tila, at least in our bowl of Mobile, Alabama, that was the only album of his that we listened to. <laughs> he loved Suave House and went to rap a lot and dropped a, dropped several albums on rap a lot. And only the true fans kept up with him. Like I said, we was in our bubble. We didn't know what was going on in Houston for for this type of thing to take place. We remember Menace Clan, we remember uh Odd Squad, Scarface drops more albums. This was going on when Bone Thugs and Wu Tang were the top things. What was going what was going on down south was like more the fallout and remnants of what, you know, of, of of the shift of that started with the telecommunications telecommunications after nineteen ninety six, you started hearing a whole a whole lot less, but with more a whole lot more avenues and outlets to um to come. There were less radio stations that was taking that was taking chances on on DJs coming out of the neighborhood and putting together mixes. This is this is like pretty much the beginning of commercialized radio. And um people having to submit mixes from people that didn't stay in your immediate city. People was trying to get some syndication going on. For Master Flips was making that possible. So that means if your song didn't fit on the playlist or anything, there was like little chance of you getting some radio shine. But so the playlisted Cadillac music, classic album, possibly the greatest album to come out of Atlanta. You can see the remnants of what Outkast did within that period in today's artist today. Everybody wants to be outcast. I'm going to break for a moment. Be right back with some real conversation with y'all.
people online would like to have you think that the South, as far as like on the rap map, you know, East Coast had their turn, West Coast had their turn. People talk so much East Coast and West Coast, especially when it's concerning Biggie and Tupac that they missed the point of it. That's like the only time they talk about East Coast and West Coast. You don't talk about LL Cool J's second album, Big and Duffer, that was produced by Bob Cat and the L.A. Posse. Real monumental thing right there. You don't talk about Ice Cube having half of America's Most Wanted produced by the Bomb Squad, Public Enemies producers. They don't talk about that. They talk about all the gossip and stuff that ain't hip-hop and pretty much ruin what people know hip-hop as. 99% of folks out here talking online about hip-hop, they ain't about it. They ain't about that. They're not. They don't know what hip-hop is. Why attach it to all the negative aspects of it, which adhere to their um, opinion to their mind, to their worldview. Um, that may be a whole nother post. But the point of why I'm getting that is people that steady talk down on the South, it's really like enough is enough attitude. But there's enough music to go around. There's a musical buffet up here. Especially in hip-hop. You don't like something, move on to the next one. It may be something for you that appeals to you, that you vibe with. Now, I'm not defending the South. I don't get no points for that. But a different dialect, a different style of music. This is something Q-Tip was yelling about during the whole East versus West thing, which is like, you know, when it became talked about more. I think that was a way for crabs to just get in. Everybody was making a East versus West record or something like that. But, you know, you as much as people talked about the East versus West, you never talked about when people collabed and stuff. You don't talk about Helter Skelter, Rock and Rock being produced by East Will for the Alcoholics. Operation Lockdown. That's a classic song. And did it again for uh, original gun clappers flapping. That's the last track on there on the, the Storm album that hit right in '96. You don't talk about Razzcast remixing, getting a remix from Diamond D for Soul on Ice. No, folks don't talk about that. And going back to what I said earlier about uh, New York being the mecca of it all, the patrons of it who don't accept music from outside their realm or everything, they don't accept that the torch or the mic in this case was handed to others and they did something else and they did something else with it, namely the South. It's always been this attitude towards the South 
as if like nobody in the South is good enough. Now there's bad examples, but some of the good examples you recognize like they're all right. Scarface, he's good when you know good and well that folks up north in New York, there's been magazine articles about Scarface, ghetto boys and all that, you know. Everybody in New York, as far as like the from the South, Scarface, they Scarface is one of their favorite rappers. They recognize him. OC from DITC recognized a diary as a, a personal classic for him. MOP, when they, before they had a deal, before they was even thinking about rapping, they listened to the Ghetto Boys. They didn't buy the tape, they stole it from somebody. That's a dedication to the whole thing. But the whole talk about people not liking the South or anything, that's just, it's just like pure ignorance. You don't listen to any Southern music until it gets, it, it breaks that, that breaks that threshold. No word of mouth anything. You have to see a video and then it makes you curious to go listen to the album or whatever. I think that I, I felt like that's what it was with T I and 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 a few others. You know. I really do feel like it's like that and the opinion of nobody else can do better than that. It's a height. It's a height that Southern rappers have. You don't even talk about Screw as much. Or anybody that, that benefited from Screw. You don't know about ESG. You hear about Lil Flip. You hear about Slim Thug. Paul Wall Chameleon now. But in between that, Mike Jones. Uh, there's Starley, I believe. Uh, recipes to uh, Big Hulk, Big Mo. Everybody that took part in that screw movement, um, Michael Five Thousand Watts. If anything, screw music still had the DJ at the forefront of the mix. And it was down south music. It jammed. It had its own audience, had its own niche. They weren't bothering nobody, but now nowadays, cats like uh, terminology from Boston. See, there's some more. Terminology from Boston and Paul Wall hooked up and did an album together uh, this year. You got Paul Wall with terminology on a Pete Rock beat from off of uh, Return of the SP-1200. Y'all have, have to make up your mind instead of like... I want to keep it. I want to keep it PC just for, you know, just for Christmas. Because really, you should be spending time with your family. And stuff, but 
Instead of just... Instead of just cock riding your favorite rappers every day and you talk about them. Broaden your horizons. I think that's the problem with people's opinions. People speak their opinions from a position of them not broadening their horizons. And think they know it all about music. You wasn't there. You wasn't there when this happened. I seen somebody say, uh, nobody ever talks about Buster Rhymes, how he be killing live shows. He been killing it. he been doing it for years. And I'm like, KRS one made a reputation of perfecting live shows from the mid eighties into the mid nineties. Based his career on it when you still had to do that. How I know that and I'm a southerner. True enough, we got music slowly and we seen the best of the east and the best of the west uh on on tour on tv your own tv raps rap city or whatnot we got to see we got to see all that some of that we didn't feel like mop uh the legion and some certain certain stuff didn't reach down here but it was listened to az nice they reached down here and it was proven that they had an audience. A lot of people that you champion online, they didn't come down and do any shows in any venues in any, some of these smaller southern cities. Like Atlanta's cool, Birmingham, even Jackson, Mississippi. New Orleans, definitely. Houston and Dallas. But as far as like places like Mobile, Pensacola, and I'm telling you, I went to Pensacola when Ghost and Ray from the Wu-Tang Clan came down. They was on their tour. They was on the 20th anniversary of the original Built for Cuban Links tour. And I made it to the Pensacola, the Pensacola drum. And Wu-Tang had been down here. Wu-Tang had been down here, but it's like, you know, after that hectic glory day, golden era type thing. Them, Mob Deep, you didn't see them down here as far as like with that. It's a reflection on the audience that they have. You will feel you will figure somebody bought your records. They pay attention to uh where their big sales are coming from. You know, uh, New York, New Jersey, Miami and stuff, that's all that's automatic or whatever, you know. It's evidence of your, of your units moving and your music getting played, you know. Once again, we, we're we dealing with an era after the telecommunications after 1996. And in debates, all this is used... You know, the popularity move is used in in the whole thing. Like, first thing somebody brings up, it's like, you don't get played on the radio. We didn't, we ain't never heard you or whatnot. Not even going on the strength of the music is it being played locally. It's not that technical. It's all that to win an argument. 
for somebody who grew up listening to the Fat Boys, Run DMC, LL Cool J, and uh, heard heard it first, heard it thoroughly, heard it word of mouth, found out about it. When everything gets to a point to where you go out and seek the music yourself and you find stuff, and you find stuff and put people on the stuff, it's been more underground, unknown knowns that's been out here, that's been making noise, and got brought up that way. Found out about E-40 word of mouth, 1993, when uh, radio stations around here wouldn't even play. Radio stations around Mobile, Alabama didn't want, didn't want to play uh, E-40 when Greg Street was putting everybody. You got to recognize folks like Greg Street. He was putting everybody onto the new tunes, too. During during the time, sprinkled it all across the south. It was it was getting was getting it on out there. Got a big old Wild Wayne, Q ninety three, New Orleans. First place, you know, first station. I heard them playing a lot of cash. Oh, the old Cash Money, the Golden Era Cash Money. Before they got the uh, Universal deal, heard a lot of New Orleans rappers: Cheeky Black, Magnolia Slim, Soldier Slim, rest in peace. Master P, a lot of Master P's, a lot of Master P's early stuff. Made radio play and it seeped into the already deep culture that is New Orleans. New Orleans music travels east of I-10 and west of I-10. So the tapes and everything got played here and found out about because people took a chance and whatnot. A lot of it was street-based gangster stuff. That's what the frequency of Mobile, some parts of Pensacola, all along there was uh, tuned into. Started finding other alternatives rather than listen to the Ghetto Boys and Dayton Family and Nice Cube all the time. Speaking of time, I'm going to cut this short. It's my time. Um, I'm going to do a part two to this. Yeah, I'm going to do a part two to this. More of the picture needs to be painted. The picture gets posted. We can bring about some change. Peace. Merry Christmas. Even if you, if you don't celebrate, still happy holidays blessing to you. It's a blessing that you are here. It's a blessing that you are here listening to this. It's only going to get better. Peace.